Let us rise again from our seats for our scripture reading. Our scripture reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And you were dead in, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Hello, hello. All right, hello, everyone. Uh, for those of us joining us for the first time, my name is Eugene. Uh, I serve all stars as Chondosa. Chondosa just means um, I'm not yet ordained pastor, meaning uh, one day I hope to be your pastor. Uh, with that said, could we turn to uh, one another and say, Happy Sunday, everyone? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Uh, great. So, you know, this is my first time being up here in front of you, and at least in person. I did it um, a while ago online, and it's a, priv a privilege and honor to share God's word with all of you today. In the last couple of weeks, we've been learning about who we are in Christ Jesus, our identity, our story that informs us who we are, not just who we are, but how we relate to everything around us, from our jobs as students to how we relate to one another, to each other, and above all, how we relate to God. I'm so excited uh, to share today's message because it helps us to understand deeper the story of Jesus and how knowing him changes everything about our own stories. Uh, before we begin, could you bow your heads with me and uh, pray uh, together? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear the gospel. Um, please be with all our brothers and sisters and friends who may be joining us today. Allow your spirit to dwell in them because only you can make our hearts beat again for you. And please be with me as I deliver your word. Allow me to hide behind your word so that the gospel may shine through me, Lord. It is not I, but you uh, who will save us, who will give us the new heart. So we thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray that thing in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you guys ever seen the old, like, Wild West uh, wanted poster for criminals, the outlaws? I think we have a picture 
showing? It looks like that, right? Uh, in the center, there's a picture of the outlaw, the criminal. And usually on the bottom, there's a reward for catching that criminal, right? $10,000 or however much amount that is. And one distinct feature about this poster, though, is what's on the top, right? Wanted. Dead or alive? Dead or alive? You know, according to our passage today, we are actually on one of these posters. We're running away from God, and God wants you. God wants you. But the question is, are you coming back to him dead or alive? In other words, are you right now dead or are you alive? You know, we sometimes use these words, these two words, to describe things that's happening in our lives. Like when there is a huge exam tomorrow, right? And maybe you didn't have time to study for the exam. You don't know anything that's on the exam. Sometimes we might say something like this, right? Oh, I'm so dead. I'm so dead. Or you might have a fight with your friend. And uh, after you part ways, you might say, you know what, the friend? You're dead to me. You're dead to me. Or how about the opposite? We're talking about a lot of dead things here. Uh, how about the opposite? So the summer break is just right around the corner. Let's imagine we're going on a vacation to the beach. And that nice, nice summer breeze, cool summer breeze hitting your face. And the sun, vitamin D, you're getting as much as you can. And what do we sometimes say? Wow. I feel so alive. I feel so alive at this moment. Dead or alive? Dead or alive? So when we say these things, no one is literally saying, okay, if I fail the exam tomorrow, I'm going to drop dead at that spot. No, it's not like that. We are not saying we are going to literally physically die, but we mean that there is something. There is something about our lives something intangible, something that we can't really see, but some quality that is not physical, that makes us feel alive or dead. In other words, there seems to be something that is not physical that makes our lives either worth it or not worth it. And today our passage talks about that very reality. Are you dead or are you alive? Not physically, but spiritually, spiritually. Are you able to say, today I feel so alive? Or are you saying deep inside, you know something is wrong? Are you living your life to the fullest as God originally made you to be? Or are you dead inside? Now, when God originally created us, he made us perfect in his image. We learned that a couple of days ago. So everything was working fine in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were in perfect harmony with God, and that is what God created us to be, to be in perfectly loving relationship with him. And as a result of that perfect relationship with God, we were supposed to be in perfectly harmonious relationship with each other, and the world he created us. But something went terribly wrong. Sin. Sin. We sinned. And you know, that's a word we don't use too often nowadays. 
But sin is the reason why we are on that wanted poster as outlaws from God. You know, some of you might be saying at this point, ah, sin, sin, Uh, he's talking about sin again. We don't use that word much in the real world, but I've heard that a lot in church. That means we disobeyed God's law, right? So for those of us who went to Promised Land, that's probably what we learned in Sunday school. And we just went over a catechism that said it's disobeying God's law. And because we disobeyed God's law, that's the reason why we're on the poster, the wanted poster. You might be thinking, okay, I see where you're going with this. Um, Yes, yes, that's true. We disobeyed God's law. That's what sin is. But sin is much more than that. It's not just disobeying God's law. Sin means you've broken up your relationship with God. So he originally designed us to be in perfectly loving relationship with him. God was supposed to be at the center, center of our all our lives, and from our relationship with him, every other relationship that we are supposed to have was supposed to come alive in our relationship with God. But in our sin, we take God out of the center of our lives, and we replace the center with us, ourselves. Instead of God at our center, We are at the center, very center of our lives. We decide for ourselves what it means to live. And we decide for ourselves what it means to be alive. Sin is saying to God, hey, God, you know what? I'll take it from here. I'll take it from here. As of now, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. You know, the irony behind saying that statement is that in doing so, we actually become dead ourselves. When we go against the way we are designed to be, things start to malfunction. And eventually, it becomes useless. It becomes dead. Uh, Back when I was in college, uh, I built a gaming computer. I was a gamer back then. Uh, I I bought this cool case with, you know, the blue LED lights and the the window on the side where you can see everything that's going on in the computer. And, you know, I bought everything, CPU, motherboard, uh, graphics cards, power supply, everything. So after I assembled everything, you know, I, I was so excited to play on that beast, so I turned on the boot button. And it, you know, it made that winding noise the, the fans make inside the computer. So it went, and then it just died. <laughs> Every time I press a button, it would just wind up, and then die. So I was like, okay, I need to troubleshoot this. So for a couple of days, I was trying to figure out what's happening here. Um, eventually, I found out the reason. I bought the wrong power supply. I bought a power supply that was designed for, not for my setup, for a setup that was smaller than mine, a smaller computer. So I bought a power supply with a rating designed for something else. And because of that, the whole computer became useless. It was dead on arrival. And sin actually has the same effect uh, on us. When we put ourselves at the center of our lives, instead of living with God at the center, we don't 
function properly. That's why that's not the way we were designed to be originally. We become, in a sense, dead on arrival, just like my computer. It wouldn't start up. And, you know, we say half-jokingly sometimes, oh, I feel dead inside. How many of us has actually said that before, right? Most of you, right? But, you know, even every half-joke has some truth in it. And when we are dead spiritually, all sorts of things go wrong. And we start to malfunction from the inside out, from the inside out. You know, this past week, uh, we witnessed a horrendous tragedy. 19 young children and two teachers were shot dead in what seemed to be utterly, utterly senseless evil. Like many of you, I was having a hard time uh, processing such tragedy. Anger, confusion, fear. So many feelings and thoughts were rushing into my head. You know, the devastating effects of our sin is so apparent in front of us. We can see it unfold right in front of us. We can see the effects inside of us. Now, I want to take a brief pause to say, for those of us processing this tragedy with me, you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. We're here to process together. And in Christ Jesus, I have faith that even though this utter senseless evil is right here, God is walking with you through it all. And ultimately, he will bring us home. And as I was preparing this sermon uh, with that tragedy still so raw in my mind, you know, one of the mental images that I had was the gunman from the shooting in that wanted poster for the outlaws. Wanted, dead, or alive. The blood of these young children and teachers cries out for justice. Wanted, dead, or alive. And as I try to make sense of it all, you know, I wanted to know the reason. Reason. Why did he do it? Why did he do that? What drove him to such actions? Was it bitterness? Was it anger? As I thought about it, at the root of it all was his sin. His sin. Jesus says in Matthew 5 that if you're angry at anyone, uh, even if you ever had angry thoughts, you already committed murder against that person in your heart. Sin problem isn't just reserved for murderers. It actually affects all of us because it's a heart condition. It's certainly, if being angry, angry is sin, I've sinned way too many times for me to admit. I've been angry, even last week. We all have. You see, us being dead or alive is not only a physical matter, it's a spiritual matter. This sin, which leads us to being dead, 
It's a spiritual heart condition. Let me ask you a question. Um, What's the difference between someone who is alive and someone who is dead? What's the difference between someone who is alive and someone who is dead? It's not a trick question. Think about it. (laughs) It's the heart. It's the heart. So dead person's heart does not beat at all. It's dead. Uh, It stopped working. And it became useless. The heart became useless. Which means if we take a closer look at what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, he's actually essentially saying that no one, I mean, no one on earth has spiritually beating heart. Everyone, everyone is dead inside. Everyone is a sinner. Not one of us can control ourselves feeling angry at anyone, right? It's not like we can be like, oh, I'm going to turn it off. I don't want to be angry. At the-. It just comes naturally. You know, we may restrain ourselves when we are angry at someone from, you know, acting out that anger, like punching someone or slapping. Don't do that. Um, we may restrain ourselves from doing that, but we can't actually control ourselves from being angry. We can't control our own hearts. It's the dead heart. It's the dead heart. We're all dead. And the dead cannot make the dead heart beat again. It's just impossible. Even Apostle Paul, who is writing this letter to Ephesians, realized that. Apostle Paul, uh, who used to boast before he met Christ, that he kept not only the Ten Commandments, but the whole 613 Jewish laws that were extracted from the Bible. And after Paul met Jesus, though, he realized there was actually one commandment that he just simply could not keep, no matter what. And it was commandment number 10. Commandment number 10, which says, you shall not covet. That just means you should not be envious or jealous. Now, why is this commandment the one that he couldn't keep? Well, it's because the commandment has to do with his heart, our hearts. Throughout a life, let's say someone may possibly maybe go on without stealing ever, or that person may even go through life without lying. And I know it's very hard to believe. It's very hard to believe, but let's give them that two things. But no matter what, he cannot control how his heart feels. And coveting or being envious, it's not an outwardly action. It's something that heart does without our control. So you know what that means? That means all of us are on that wanted poster because we're dead spiritually, because we have a heart condition. We're walking around physically, and we got here today, but spiritually, we're all dead. The walking dead. No wonder we feel so dead inside. Something is wrong within us, not outside of us, not physically our heart, but within us. And it's because of our sin against God. You feel it too, don't you? Something wrong, something wrong inside of us. And, you know, all of us here at All Stars, JG, and our friends at Nova, you know, we're we're, in this generation, I got to say, you guys are so smart, and you guys are so resourceful and gifted. 
So when we notice something is off within us, we try our best to take care of that problem. We try our best to fix the problem. You know, maybe some of us didn't know it was a spiritual heart condition that was causing all the problems, but uh, that doesn't stop us from trying to fix it, right? Maybe some of us are actually just trying to be a good person, right? Maybe being a moral person or even obeying God's law can buy us a new heart for us. But some of us might be thinking that um, this empty hole, though, empty hole where we're supposed to have a beating heart that's supposed to be all for God, well, that can't be filled with God's law or morality. After all, God is supposed to be at the center, not God's law or being moral. And just like Apostle Paul said, uh, we can't obey all the law even if we wanted to. No one can control being envious, right? Or being angry. We may be able to stop ourselves from acting out in envy or anger, but we can't stop ourselves from actually feeling those things. So for others, we try to fix that problem of dead heart with something else, let's say. You know, well, we try really hard in school, grades. Uh, maybe we want to make a lot of money, or maybe we want to be popular. We want to have a lot of Instagram followers. Maybe we would just want to have a lot of friends. Whatever it is, we run into the same problem, though. None of these things can take a place of a beating heart for God. You know those, uh, those baby toys uh, with like a box with shapes on the, each side? And you have, you're supposed to match the shape with the, the little thingamajigs, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like that. It's, it's kind of like trying to fit a hole that's made for a heart with like circle or, you know, rectangle. It just wouldn't fit. It just wouldn't fit. And if that's the case, we're back to square one. What do we do about our dead hearts? Are we just doomed to be spiritually dead forever? And when our physical body dies, let's say, are we just like dead, dead twice, like double dead? Is that our fate? Well, there is one way uh, which this problem can be fixed, but it requires an exchange. It requires an exchange, a dead heart for a new heart. The reward on all our wanted posters, it's actually not a dollar amount that's on the poster, the reward section. It can't be. The exchange rate, so the reward for our wanted posters, is actually a new beating heart. A new beating heart. But where can we even get such a thing, right? Well, 2,000 years ago, a man came along. He was 100% man, but also 100% God. He lived a perfectly obedient life that leads to a clean, beating heart. This heart never, ever strayed from God. God was always at the center of this man's heart. This was the heart that knows nothing apart from God. But then something unexpected happened. He died on a cross like a wanted criminal. No fault of his own, but died like a criminal anyways. 
but death could not hold him. Death could not hold him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, conquering death itself. And because of his victory, he now gives his clean and life-beating heart to whomever believes in him, in what he did. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. You see, God loves us so much, he couldn't bear to watch us die of our heart conditions caused by our own sin, our open rebellion against him, as we read on the catechism. God wants you. God wants you. Yes, you, but not dead or alive. He wants you alive, period, period, not dead. So he sent his one and only son, the only one who led such perfect life that the heart wasn't tainted, it, was, it kept on beating, to die a death that we all deserve as a criminal. In Jesus' victory over death, we now can have that great exchange of hearts. If we believe in Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, our spiritual heart can beat once more. You know, the operating table for the heart transplant was at the cross. And what's so amazing about Jesus is the fact that he will freely, without a charge, exchange our dead hearts with his own beating heart. And this is a gift. It's a gift. We can never earn this. You know, how many of you can perform a heart transplant right now? If, you, if I said, okay, I need a new heart, please perform a heart transplant for me. No one, right? Not anyone here. If that is so hard to do, how hard is it to perform a spiritual heart transplant? It's impossible for any man except Jesus, except Jesus we can't even get a clean heart <laughs> to replace our dead hearts if that was the case. But Jesus, his gift to us is the new living and beating heart. That's why it's such an amazing thing. We can only receive it through faith in him alone. That's the only way. But when we do receive that heart through faith, it changes everything. It changes everything. We can finally live. We can finally live. And we are finally alive. Now, at this point, we are left with just one question. Just one question. Are you alive in Jesus? Or do you choose to carry around your dead heart? The heart that wants everything except God, the heart that will ultimately lead to the final death, both spiritual and physical. But in Jesus, we have the great living hope. In Jesus, we have the life-giving heart that will beat and beat and beat and beat for eternity. The heart from God towards God with God. So are you dead or alive? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son who 
on that great exchange, on that cross, has given us a way to receive the new spiritual heart. When our heart is dead in sin. So we ask, Lord, please come to us. Please come to our hearts because only you can make it beat again. Help us to go to Jesus to exchange our heart for his. And nothing that we do can make that exchange happen, but only through what you have done, what Jesus have done for us on the cross. So we thank you for that truth. Help us to go towards him to receive this new heart, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.